Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This week's episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by Showtime Documentary Films' Listen to Me, Marlon. Written, edited, and directed by Stephen Riley and produced by John Batzik, R.J. Cutler, and George Chigno. The film unlocks two-time Oscar winner Marlon Brando's extensive, never-before-heard personal audio archive, bringing viewers on a creative odyssey into the mind and motivation of the enigmatic legend. As the lines between Brando's on-screen persona and personal life blur, his audio recordings uncover his intellectual introspection, humor, and sensitivity, a man in perpetual search for moral clarity. Heralded as a masterpiece by The Village Voice, Listen to Me, Marlon has already been named one of the National Board of Review's top five documentaries of the year, winner of Best Documentary at the San Francisco Critics Circle Awards and has won a Best Writing IDA Documentary Award. Additionally, the film is nominated for Best Feature at the IDA Documentary Awards, Best Documentary at the IFP Gotham Awards, and two Cinema Eye honors. Watch Listen to Me, Marlon, now only on Showtime. Happy 2016 and welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. Here we are getting back into the swing of things and uh, it's kind of like jumping into a cold shower and just hanging tight. I'm Eric Cohn, the deputy editor and chief film critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson from Thompson in Hollywood. And boy, we've had a busy week. Uh, on Monday night was the New York Film Critics Circle Awards and uh, the next night was uh, NBR. And at the same time, the PGA nominations came out this Sunday or the Golden Globes. And by the time we record this podcast next Thursday, the actual friggin' Oscar nominations are going to be out. So, Ann Thompson, are you still alive out there? No, it's been hectic, as you say, because the real, um, uh, what's the word? The real rubber hits the road, if you like. I mean, it's you can talk about the NBR or the New York Film Critics, which have influence. But what they do is they get the Academy voters to look at the movies. That's what they do. It isn't a question of what are the, the real question is what do the Academy voters actually think of the movies? And now that the Guild Awards are, are nominations are coming down the pike, you can actually look at them and say, oh, they really like Sicario. <laughs> they really like Ex Machina. Yeah. They really like uh, The Big Short, which is, of course, the movie that is now competing for Best Picture with Spotlight. And why is that happening? Because Spotlight has did not get a nomination for the, from the Editor's Guild, which was a real shocker, but not if you look at it logically, which is a, the reason that Spotlight is vulnerable, even though it's the one movie that most people seem to like the most. It isn't a big movie. And this is something you said from the beginning, Eric. You were consistently questioning this, and you were probably right, because it is a movie that the actors like and the writers like. It did get a Writers Guild uh, nomination. It will probably win original screenplay. That's not, you know, but it's it's more like Boyhood. It's more like a small movie that doesn't have all the bells and whistles. And right now, if you look at the PGA list and the editor's list, um, especially, uh, you're seeing really big movies with scale and scope 
competing uh, for for best picture slots. Well, it's funny. It's almost like you're looking at individual pieces of the pie to try to predict how big the actual pie is, right? I mean, there are so many different movies competing this year, and yet you guys had this great piece on Thompson and Hollywood just today examining whether or not there might be only five going for best picture for the first time since this field has been open for twice as many films. So, Yeah, the whole a- idea, it's an amazing thing. The whole idea is that, you know, the, the Academy wanted a wider field so that the bigger films that have real popularity, in this case, the fantasy on their part, you know, would be Star Wars, that Star Wars would get nominated. But given everything that's going on, uh, our mathematically minded box office expert, Tom Brueggemann, uh, figured out, uh, doing the math, uh, what, what the logic really is here, which is that more movies doesn't mean more nominations, which would be something we could all think would happen. Like everybody's sort of saying, Hey, there's going to be 10 this year. Right. Well, the fact of the matter is that given the way that the numbers work, and I'm not going to go into all the details, read the story. It is quite possible that it will limit the number because it's about how many movies get number one designations and then where is the consensus for the movies that come after that and you have if you have such a wide wide field to oversimplify uh amazingly uh you could end up with fewer films five films six films seven films yeah the story says five to seven is the range i mean it's it's fascinating. I mean, the math is is kind of remarkable when you consider how this category has evolved. It's also frustrating when you think about how great it would be for a, the ten picture category to really represent the spectrum of movies that we've been talking about for all these months. And instead, ironically, fewer of them are going to make the cut. I mean, that's and they're just... going to be the consensus titles. Yeah. is what it finally comes down to. So, you know, I have a feeling I could be completely wrong, and I'm not saying that I know, because it's this, this, this whole thing shows how limited it is. I mean, I usually go about this in the old-fashioned way, which is to say, where's the support for each individual film? You know, so you look at Spotlight, the supports from the writers and the actors and the directors probably. We'll find that out next week. Um, uh, you know, which the nomination balloting closes tomorrow on Friday. Friday it closes. We're taping this on Thursday. So, um, you know, there's been frantic, frantic. Uh, and of course, the timing of the uh, New York Film Critics and NBR is designed to have, you know, maximum, um, you know, publicity impact. Um, many Academy voters have already filed their ballots. They don't, they've seen the films and, and they're waiting. But there was like frantic partying this, this week. You know, there was a music party for the Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight for the Ennio Morricone score, which may be the only thing that that movie ends up uh, getting, although Jennifer Jason Lee is probably still in there. Then you have, um, but I wonder if he's even going to get screenplay now. 
you know? So there's so many different possibilities. Out in New York, there were not one but two tea times uh, organized by, by the hardworking Peggy Siegel, who had, who had an event for Mad Max on Monday and then another one for The Martian on Tuesday. Both and then the, on yeah. Tuesday night, the, the, unfortunately, the night of my book group being hosted at my house. <laughs> so there was nothing I could do about it. Priorities. And it was fine. I love my book group. Um, but I, I did not go to the event, the Amazon event for Chirac and Spike Lee and Nick Cannon and everything, which is another music event. I didn't go to the uh, Lady Gaga, uh, you know, hunting ground uh, event that uh, she performed. She sat down at the piano and performed her song that goes with the hunting ground documentary which is shortlisted and uh and then uh you know bill desowitz wrote that up instead but you know that there's all that this is stuff is going on all week and, and then yeah, but t- tomorrow's an- it and then all the partying stops except right. for the golden globes this weekend right which it which is the party to end all parties until it is Oscars like a non-stop party from yeah. friday through after parties and then what's so great about it is that it's the it's it's really uh, a captive audience. You've got all those movie stars and all those directors and all that talent. Everybody's there, and they just go from party to party to party at the at the Hilton. Uh, and you see, you literally get jaded by it. You're walking down the hall, and you know Leonardo goes by, and, you know, and you're like, whatever, no by. big deal. <laughs> They're just doing their thing. So am I. <laughs> the perils of Oscar season is that you get jaded about things that everybody yeah, else. You're waiting yeah. in the elevator with. <laughs> you know, uh, Matt Damon, you know, these things happen. Well, before we get into the Globe's predictions, which I think is in some ways a very unique contrast to the overall Oscar conversation, I think it's worth looking at the the contrast between what happened at the New York Film Critics Circle Awards, which obviously we already knew in advance who those winners were going to be, and what we saw at NBR. I had never been before, but what, what I noticed and what I could glean from conversations going on is that, you know, the NBR has been attacked for trying to, you know, uh, basically be a player in Oscar season by currying favors for different kinds of people or whatever. But whether or not all of that is true, I did notice that it it felt like there was a more accurate representation of where the Oscar race is at based on what we've been talking about there. Because Carol was the star of the show at New York Film Critics Circle, and there were some wonderful speeches given by you know Todd Haynes, who who quoted Cat Stevens at the end of his speech, and and Christine Vachon gave a speech at the end of the night, and and Phil, Phyllis Nodge gave, gave a speech, and and they were all really great. But then the NBR. They worked in a way to get Stallone up there, to get the big short ensemble up there, even though none of the main actors showed up. And uh, there was George Miller at the end of the night with Mad Max, and there was Ridley Scott winning Best Director. And that felt to me closer to what you and many other people who play this game at this time of year seem to be saying about where this race is heading, which also tells you that Carol is not the big player that it could have been. And... Carol was a big player, and it was everything was going fine until the big short started moving up right. in all the different rankings. And, and Mad Max, I had already put in there, but I thought, and everyone can go, Anne, you were so stupid. You know, they could all yell at me. I thought 
that the big short might be too much of a comedy. And so what has happened is that the writers appreciate its skill. The directors are going to appreciate its skill. The, you know, it is being the gravitas of the subject matter, the, the incredible intelligence of the way that they made this subject matter palatable and the popularity of the movie, just the fact that people like it so much has overridden whatever that sort of academy, um, you know, snobbishness might be, that factor. And and it's it's in the running now, and it's got more bells and whistles going for it, in and, a way, than Spotlight. And, we've and Carol and, is moving down. That's yeah, the problem. And, and, uh, I mean, so I, Todd Haynes could be replaced by Andy McKay uh, in the director list, or Adam McKay, you know, right. Phyllis, Adam McKay, or, or Phyllis Nage, you know, could be replaced in the adapted category by Adam McKay, that kind of thing. Right, which, I mean... Too bad, but it's not the kind of movie that is necessarily, you know, eager to get all those nominations in the way that some of these others are, campaign-wise, anyway, even if it's... It, Which it's film a, isn't eager? Well, I'm talking about... How Car- is a film eager? Well, when I, when I say that, what I'm really talking about is the people behind the film, not the Weinstein Company per se, they but put the Carol more effort. They put more effort into it than anybody else in the world, but Paramount does, too. That's the thing. I and mean, they're bigger. Paramount has. It, it, it doesn't matter how big you are. Weinstein proved that a really long time ago. It matters how much money you spend and how much effort you put in and how much passion you put in. They've done everything right with Carol. I am not going to fault the Weinsteins on this. Well, then. What I'm going to fault is the movie itself. The movie itself, as described by many people in LA that I have run into who tell me what they think of it. They think it's exactly what we would have expected. They think it's flat. They think it's a little dull. They think it's a little um, non-dramatic. I think it's the most accessible and fabulous Todd Haynes film ever, but we have to remember that Todd Haynes is Todd Haynes, and that is not necessarily going to play for the mainstream of the Academy. That's exactly what the point I was trying to make. I mean, it's it's a Todd Haynes movie. I mean, he's been nominated before. He's made movies that have been nominated before, but these are, he does not make movies that take easily to this kind of campaigning, to this kind of crowd. I mean, just the, the very fact that it had the momentum it had in any capacity or was perceived to have such was was sort of exciting, much in the same way I think last year with Boyhood, it was this radical achievement, somehow was a front runner for Best Picture. You know, but I was at this lunch uh, during the daytime before the MBRs that the Film Society of Lincoln Center had, and many of these folks were there, and the PGA nominations came out during that lunch, and, and the room folks seemed much more kind of affected, from what I could pick up, by the fact that they were left off the PGA nomination list. And the Carol folks who seemed to be sort of chilling in the corner, they had their posse, you know, Kelly Reichert was hanging out with them, Kristen Stewart was over there sort of, you know, latching on to them, and, and there, there was Ed Lockman, and they just seemed like a, a, it's a different kind of crowd that's sort of, they're You're happy to be there. describing them, right. but not the Weinsteins. Right. Believe me, the Weinsteins are pushing it right. as hard as they can, and they're sending them around and making them do what they have to do. I, I suspect that you're right. On some level, they know where they fit in the overall scheme of things, and, and they're not expecting 
anything. And I think what's happened was is A24 got way farther with room than they ever thought they were going to. And what they're going to settle for probably is screenplay, because I think Emma Donahue will get in. And I think um, they, they, they still have Brie Larson. And I think the important thing that has to happen for Brie Larson, this is interesting, before I say that, <laughs> it will help her. It will really help her if she wins the Golden Globe this weekend because it's drama and comedy. So Jennifer Lawrence will probably win comedy for, for joy. And, and it will help because she needs to win something. She really does. And in other words, the Golden Globes have no impact on the nominations voting for the Oscars. What they have an impact on is the momentum going forward for winning an Oscar. Right. And she's obviously a lock for a nomination. I mean, it would yes. be shocking if she didn't. But a Golden it. Globe win would be very helpful. Because right. God forbid, not God forbid, I would be... I have no vested interest one way or the other. I'm saying in, in, from, from A24's point of view, if Alicia Vikander, mm-hmm. for example, were to win for Ex Machina or something, right. that would be a shock. They seem surprised. Surprise. I mean, they, I don't think they expected that movie to have the kind of exposure it's had just in the last few weeks. It's actually pretty interesting. It really um, is. It was, a po- it was a really popular movie. And, but don't um, rule out Jacob Tremblay. I mean, the nine-year-old kid came up to the stage at NBR and got an amazing, not only round of applause, but just he played with the crowd. He had like these really funny pauses. He was like, I just need a moment. I just got this sense that there's a lot of support for that kid He's really good in the movie, and he's also really good in front of other people and interacting with people, which he's is charming. Rare. Yeah, he's no, charming. I heard he was great. I heard he was great. He's good at parties. Uh, yeah. So Leonardo is is one of the sure things we can sort of look forward to, uh, probably winning the Globe, probably going on to win the Oscar. He's won a bunch of Globes already, too, right? He has won at the Globes uh, more than he has. Yeah. He's never won at the Oscars. Never, right. Right. I find myself more and more, I mean, if, I, if I'm going to pick out a movie that I'm rooting for to just keep that momentum going at this point, I mean, given the situation with Carol, it's Mad Max. I mean, just seeing George Miller up there and, and getting the kind of support he's been getting, that, that tea time I mentioned before where he did a, a conversation with Eve Ensler in New York was just, it was just another Oh, I wish I'd seen that. Oh, it was great. I mean, he just spent a half an hour talking about the feminist politics of the movie. And he could have done that about any of the other many different subjects that come up through the lens of this really exciting and different blockbuster. You know. One of the fun things that's, that's really cool to look at at, at this time of year are those THR uh, Hollywood Reporter roundtables. And the one I always love looking at the director one because you can just see, I, I mean, part of it is that I know these guys, you know, I've gotten to meet them all at some point or another. And they are and, all guys. And they're all guys. Well, t- t- typically. Uh, and they're yes, alpha yeah. males. Not to, not to put too fine a point on yeah. it. One of the reasons Directors. that you become a director yeah. is you because you're an alpha male. Yeah. And, and so you have Quentin Tarantino as a writer-director uh, being very sharp and funny and, and idiosyncratic. And you have uh, Inaritu, who is arguably a writer-director, because he gets very much in the weeds with, with the writing on his films. And he's the artist. They're both artists. You know, you just see that. And then you see Ridley Scott, you know, the sort of <laughs> pater familias Brit, who is not a writer and is not as no, articulate as the writer. definitely not a writer. I think we but, figured that much out. Yeah, but when, but there's this moment where he starts to talk about Kubrick and he's talking about, you know, how you figure out, uh, the 
this the gimbal on the spaceship of 2000. <laughs> I mean, he's an engineer. Yeah. He's an engineer, and he says, "I've been, I've done so many." Co-. And so Inaritu's complaining about, you know, there was a great laugh line where he said, "Yes, this was my first big budget movie, and it may be my last." You know, and the whole table sort of laughs knowingly. You know, but but you also have this this extraordinary, um, and you know experience that Ridley Scott has where he says, I've done so many commercials that I see all the problems coming. You know, Inaritu didn't know what he was getting into. Ridley Scott would have known, if you see what I mean. Right. And and so he's making that point. And so he got a lot of points in the in the when you when he starts to talk about technology and about the kind of know-how that he has. And so he's a director from a different, you know, of a different kind. And then you have Tom Hooper sort of rolling his eyes at Ridley Scott. You I know? don't even understand why he was there. I mean, that movie hasn't had serious momentum for a while now. Unless you I'm know what they something. did? They put together the recognized Oscar contenders because it's going to be a TV show. It's being mm-hmm. aired on television. So they didn't actually put together the people who should have been on that roster they put the uh, the base danny boyle's on there too for steve jobs so they put a bunch of well-known uh oscar uh nominated or 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 oscar winning uh directors i think they're all oscar i don't think uh tarantino's ever won for director he's only won for screenplay right twice for screenplay but that makes a lot of sense i mean i was just thumbing through the hateful eight screenplay that landed at our office a few days ago and thinking about how i mean it's just this massive uncompromising thing, whether or not he gets in this year, I don't know. But, I mean, he certainly writes in, in a certain way to, to be somebody who's part of that conversation because, uh, you know. No, he's been a wonderful writer. And when you listen to him talk, I mean, I interviewed him and he was so much fun. There was this part where he was describing, um, and I still have to put up the piece, I know. He was describing um, how he went to Italy to woo Enya Morricone. And when he talks to you, he used up like most of my interview time telling me the dialogue back and forth between him and and Morricone. He said this, Morricone said that. And it was fun to listen to. It's always fun to listen to Quentin, you know, and it's fun to read his screenplays because they are works of art in their own right. But this movie has not gotten the response that his last two films have. So one other movie I wanted to bring up in that context, which seems like a a very notable question mark, is Creed. Because Stallone also gave a great speech at the NBR. He even said, yo, Adrian, into the mic and got a great response. They did a a big event in New York. And, uh, you know, everybody likes that movie. I mean, it seems I haven't heard talk to a single person who doesn't like that movie. And yet... It's not showing up on all these guild lists. It's Basically, it's not getting the kind of respect that it needs because maybe Ryan Coogler is too young. Maybe the movie is too mainstream. But the it, they like it. So I think Stallone will get in. But It'll just be one thing. It'll just, just be one. that one thing. It's just one. Boy, it really seems like even though Spotlight had a lot of momentum out of the gate... Things have gotten more complicated for that movie. I mean, the supporting actor category seemed like sort of like this big thing for that movie because they were submitting all of the actors for it. Well, they all knocked them at each other out. I mean, it's it's admirable what they did, but it hurt them in a weird way. I still think that Spotlight and and the Big Short are going against each other. I do think they're and The Martian is there and Mad Max is there and The Revenant is there. 
I, but the other one that's really strong is straight out of Compton. And you could argue, not to say that the academy necessarily slots things this way, but maybe they do. There were three movies that you could argue had strong support in, in, a, in a way. So you have Beasts of No Nation and you have um, Straight Outta Compton and you have Creed. And Straight Outta Compton is the one that's getting the momentum of those three. Well, it's, it's in some ways, it's, it's the most likely. And it's the most mainstream. Yeah, it's mainstream. It's, it's more of a crowd pleaser than, than those other. I mean, Creed is, is a crowd pleaser, but, but Straight Outta Compton is It's a, a sequel. Bigger, that's yeah. part of the problem for Creed. A lot of people, I had to talk people into seeing it. Like, I would say, it's really good. And they go, it's another Rocky sequel. Right. Some and people I would, just but don't it's get really that. good. Yeah. And Ryan Coogler doesn't mean anything to a lot of people. We know who he is. And we know how smart and terrific he is, and he's going to do Black Panther, and he's going to have an enormous career ahead of him. But, you know, he and Ava DuVernay are, are on track to be, you know, major directors now. But that doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that everyone in the Academy knows who he is. You know? Well, in any case, I mean, <laughs> he's at such a nice early stage of his career that, he, you know, he's going to be around for a long time. I mean, the contrast between whether or not Ryan Coogler gets the attention he deserves versus whether or not George Miller or Ridley Scott does is is very distinct. I mean, well, it's going to be George Miller versus Ridley Scott for best director, I think. You kind, know, kind of amazing. I mean, think about 30 and years George ago. Miller is, they're both, they're both very, very respected and well-liked. But I, I, I just think that people get a twinkle in their eye when they think about George Miller, you know? It's I, so I cool. Just think well, look at the and scope he's of stuff a writer, he's done. too. You know? he, and, and, and let's not forget he has won an Oscar for Happy Feet, which is a, a great movie. Yeah, but then someone else was blaming him for ruining two franchises, the Babe franchise and the Happy Feet franchise. And they have an argument. There's this one Oscar campaigner who has this huge sort of anti-sequel argument, which, you know, it's hard to become a best picture contender. Godfather would be the, and the Lord of the Rings would be the great exceptions to that. But I still think Mad Max is in there. Yeah, I don't, I I was don't take a, that seriously. I was in a green room uh, with uh, a prominent actor and a prominent director early last year, shortly before Fury Road started screening. And the director said, yeah, I hear Mad Max Fury Road is amazing. And the actor said, yeah, but why keep remaking your own stuff? You know, and it's like, come on, guys, it's George Miller. And by the way, Babe Pig in the City is awesome. If you think that sounds crazy, take another look at that movie. I mean, if anybody's going to make sequels, at least you get somebody who's going to think about how to make it a good movie and not just the same thing all over again. Happy Feet 2. No, he's a wonderful man. That's the thing about George Miller. I mean, if you sit down and talk to him, he's a nice guy. He's a smart guy. He's a witty, sharp clever he's got everything that ridley scott has and a lot of the qualities that someone like quentin tarantino has he's an artist and he executes at at a big budget studio level but he does it with originality and he does it with authenticity and he does it with verve and flair and in detail and creates a whole world i i couldn't be more 
uh, Mad Max is the best movie of the year, uh, unless we go with Son of a Saul, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it, on that on that sort of mainstream level, nothing beats it, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. But I love The Martian too. I love mm. that Drew Goddard screenplay as well. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, Son of Saul, yeah, great movie, but that's a foreign language kind of content yeah. at this point. Point. And also, a lot of people anecdotally are telling me that they're putting Inside Out at number one. And that's the thing. If you're doing, if we're going back to the math, you know, it's like you need more than 571 votes to be guaranteed a best picture slot. And if you have more than 26 movies vying for, in a, in you know, total of 10 slots, you know, you're not going to get that many that get 571, even if there are a lot of people voting for Inside Out or a lot of people voting for Sicario or, well, or, or Ex Machina. I think uh, those are all solid to great movies, so I'm happy to report I don't hate anything that seems to be getting a lot of momentum this season, which is always nice to report. But uh, let's turn to the Golden Globes before we wrap up this week since it's the closest to the time we're talking right now, there are some things that line up with what, what we've been discussing with the Oscar race more generally and other things that diverge from that. I mean, most significantly, of course, we're talking about two different best picture categories for drama and comedy and musical. Um, what do you make of these two different categories? Is it just the most obvious kind of front runners for the Oscars seem like they could land these things or or could it differ completely because i think it's no i mean i I actually looked at it today as a matter of fact um and i will post my i'm i'm waiting for for matt because he's going to do his um uh tv he's going to do the tv uh matt brennan is going to do tv so i think spotlight will win drama i think dicaprio will win actor um comedy or musical Big Short? Uh, the Martian? That'll be The Big Short, I think. Um, it could be The Martian because The Big Short has gained its momentum since the Golden Globes people voted. And the other... So so The Big Short's going to have... The, the, that late surge in momentum is going to have more impact on the Oscars than on the uh, Globes, but I still think it might it might win. It does seem and, smart to put Martian in that category so that it, it has a yeah, more distinction. I don't feel it for some reason. I, I think Matt Damon will win, right? And yeah. I think Ridley Scott will win because they put the, all the directors together on that. So the HFPA, so, that's that's how many people are actually voting here? It's a, it's a really 80 small, or 80, something. It's 80 people. Yeah. So, so and, yeah. and they're being campaigned to, you know, so in somewhat of a different manner than Academy members. I mean, they don't have quite the same. They kind of- were campaigned to for the nominations. I would say that their assessment of, of who wins is up to them. I mean, now I, I don't know how much campaigning will they're campaigned to all year long. Their, their lives are campaigned to they're, they're <laughs> they, but what they do is they, they get, they do vote for people to be at the awards show, you know? So that's why you have so, you know, they voted for Will Smith and they voted for Johnny Depp and all this stuff. So all, all the but, different people that Tina Fey and Amy Poehler can make fun of when they cut away. I know and Jennifer Lawrence, you know, will win, uh, I think for joy on the comedy side. Fake and, trip uh, on the way up to the stage. Uh, <laughs> she's genuine. She's genuine. Um, or she used she's to be. She's genuinely fun. I mean, not all celebrities can spin their image that way. So that, yeah. I'll give her that. Yeah. 
But Saoirse Ronan for Brooklyn, also a possibility. We can't forget her. She the gave reason... a good speech at the uh, New York Film Oh, did she? Yeah, she did said she... She, she's from uh, this New York City originally, and they used to call her Saoirse on the block. That was <laughs> how she identified her. I don't know. Her. I mean, the Globes, the Globe voters seem to have some self-awareness about the the degree to which they're accused of not being serious. So who knows what they're going to do. Um, but I'm, I'm betting on Jennifer Lawrence in that case. And yet no tangerine. So <laughs> I may have to finally drop that button. Oh, there was an this, event. Uh... There was also an event. <laughs> there was also an event in LA where um, uh, Caitlyn Jenner hosted a, a night for, for, uh, for tangerine. Yeah, for Maya Taylor. who had just signed with a big agency. That's right. Will continue to be around. So I'm going to have to spend the next week thinking of another movie to plug. It might have to be Mad Max, or maybe I'll find some some small player in in the context of that movie, like a below the line nominee who can who who I want to push for the rest of the season. I got time to think it through. So next time we'll regroup and and. Uh, May possibly be joined by some other folks from the IndieWire team to go over the actual list of Oscar nominations, which it sounds like uh, a fantasy right now, but I guess it's it's really going to happen. It's going to happen. Well, safe travels wherever you're going next this season, and uh, we'll regroup soon. Thanks, Sarah. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.